www.blogtalkradio.com. Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk about the Kingdom of God. I've been looking for a number of different uh, avenues to take this program. We do have, it is, does have caller capability, but uh, usually only the uh, uh, members of the Living Network have access to that number. And how you get to be a member of that network is to join the network on our website or you become a actual minister of our congregation of record and uh, then you uh, proceed to, if you just join the, the network on the internet to his holy church dot uh, info in order to become a part of the living network you have to pick someone to be your contact minister on that group Two people have to pick the same person. By those two witnesses, we know that that person is accepted for at least the time being as a minister of Christ. Somebody believes that he could uh, be of service or she could be of service in putting them in contact with other people seeking the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness. That's what a contact minister does. He makes contact. He provides a way in which to make contact with other people. It's the beginning of this network concept that was so much a part of the kingdom in the time of Israel and Moses and even before that in the days of Abraham and uh, certainly in the days of Christ and the days that followed Christ. Most people don't know that the early church was based on the tens, hundreds, and thousands that we see throughout Europe uh, and in Gaul and, of course, in England with their tithing men and hundredsmen and uh, in Germany uh, with the Dechens, in parts of Italy with the same concept of ten families getting together, picking a minister, and then that minister getting together with ten other ministers and picking uh, a minister of their own. Through that pattern, you didn't have to tell any more than ten people that you knew of some sort of problem, and within a very short period of time, the whole country knew all about the problem because they networked and that's why we have gone to focusing on networking one of the reasons why we've gone to focusing on networking in this preaching of the gospel of the kingdom and offering to you the keys of the kingdom well of course the keys of the kingdom are christ and lots of people say they preach christ and nothing else but the reality is christ is a very complex uh a very uh, broad uh, but yet very specific individual in our history uh, covered every aspect of our lives who Christ was it changed everything that we would think or how we would act or what we would do because Christ was a very unique individual of all the people in the world who were given power authority to exercise authority one over the other. Christ was the man who chose to set men free, who would not rule over them, who would not turn stones into bread, living stones into bread for himself. He chose to set men free. He chose to die rather than bring men into bondage. He could have easily appealed to Rome but his kingdom was not of that kingdom of Rome. And he would make no treaty with it, even to save his own life. Now, most people will make a treaty at the drop of a hat to, to save their life, or they would compromise their principles. The guidelines, so to speak, of the kingdom of Israel. The kingdom of Israel knew that 
the leader should make no covenant with anybody. That means appeal to no one for protection whereby you go under the jurisdiction of that individual or that government or that creation of mankind, that corporate state. And Jesus would not make an agreement, would not appeal or apply or pray to Pontius Pilate for his protection. Because Pontius Pilate did not want to see him crucified. But because his kingdom was not a part of the government of the Romans, Pontius Pilate washed his hands of it and left the choice to the Pharisees and found himself very shortly pleading for Christ's life as the king of Judea. That's what a lot of people don't realize is that Christ was actually the king of Judea, and thousands of people said so. Magi said so. Rome said so. When they nailed that statement to the cross that this is the king of the Jew, they nailed the law of the Pharisees to the cross as well. They were no longer subject to the laws of the Pharisees, which were a lot more than the Six, seven hundred that you see in the Old Testament. They had come down to a system of social security called Corbin, a system of income tax, uh, property tax, sales tax, which were all excise tax and usury. Something that has gone on throughout the world today. You can go over to Israel today, the, the country that is called Israel, the corporate state of Israel today, and they have a heavy progressive income tax, which is usury. Yet they think they are following Moses who forbid users. So we're, we were kind of the lone dogs out here preaching the kingdom and telling you how that kingdom of God worked with Abraham, with Moses, and with Jesus Christ in the early church. Churches today have no concept, generally speaking, of what that was all about. Recently, uh, actually just this morning, somebody was writing about Social Security and how do you get out of it and this, that, and the other thing. And my parents got me the number when I was a kid, and isn't there a way to revoke it? I never used it. Well, there actually is so much misinformation about this. We've had to write a book on, the, uh, on these subjects. Social Security is the Corbin of the Pharisees. It is an identical system as the Corbin of the Pharisees and the Corbin of Rome. Spelled slightly different, pronounced slightly different. They were systems where you sign up and then the government forces your neighbor to contribute to your welfare. But Christ's kingdom, what John the Baptist was preaching, was the perfect law of liberty. Yeah, you had to take care of the widows and orphans and needy of your society, but you had to do it by faith, hope, and charity, by that perfect law of liberty. Liberty, as one of our contact ministers said, is the right to do what God wants you to do. Well, freedom is just the right to do whatever you want to do. Well, you could, you could actually even say that liberty is the right to do whatever you want to do, too. But liberty in the kingdom of God is just that, the right to be ruled by God, if you have the willingness to obey God. And Jesus said, not those who say, Lord, Lord, but those who do it the will of my Father. That's the ones who go into the kingdom, not the ones who simply come out of the world system. Well, if you're intending to go into the kingdom, you can start that right now. You don't have to wait. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is within your reach. You can start living right now by faith, hope, and charity, and that's a big jump. That's a mighty leap away from where most men are today. And one of our ministers from Canada asked a question recently on the group, and, and uh, he's probably listening, but when he asked it, I thought, oh, boy, here we go again. I didn't know how they would accept my answer. And it's a little different every time I say it because it's, it's such a broad question. And actually, it was three questions he asked. And he, he sent the questions to me privately, and I answered it uh, on our contact ministers group because I thought, oh, it's an important question. Let's answer it. And he's asked me again to talk about it here. And I have no idea how I'm going to answer this. But the answer is the same yet different almost every time. And one of those questions is, what, what must we do to be saved? 
Oh, there are very stock answers for that question. Very simple answers, cut and dry, catechism type questions for that, uh, answers for that question. What, what must we do to be saved? Well, we could say believe in Jesus or believe on the Lord Jesus. What does that mean? Who is, who, who's Jesus? You know, there's a guy lives in the next valley here. His name is Jesus. That's not who they're talking about. They're not talking about Jesus is, you know, in the next valley. Jesus, we call him. He, he's a nice guy. But that's not who they're talking about. If you believe on him, that doesn't save you. So what does it mean to believe on Jesus? What does it mean when Paul said it? Well, you have to go look at all the scripture that Paul is talking about. And you have to look at it in context of the time and in what Paul was doing. Paul was doing something very different than what the Pharisees were doing, the people who had trained him up. They hated him. They were angry with him. He, he was a traitor, treasonous. This is one of those guys that says there is another king, one Jesus. That's what they said. There's another king other than Caesar. These are the ones who do contrary to the decrees of Caesar. Why, aren't, aren't all Christians supposed to do everything that Caesar says? Well, not if they're in another government, which is what Christ established. He had ministers. He appointed those ministers. It is my privilege to appoint unto you a kingdom to my little flock, not to everybody, but to his little flock. And he talks about them being princes of that kingdom. But they were not to be like the princes of the Gentiles who exercised authority one over the other and called themselves benefactors. Now we're back to Social Security, which in Canada would be the national insurance, I think. No, it's... Um, uh, I can't remember. I think the abbreviation for it in Canada is SIN. No. In other countries, it's national insurance. Um, but... Uh, the point is, these systems of Social Security, which is what pure religion is, what religion is, how you take care of the widows and orphans and needy of your society. Pure religion is to do that unspotted by the world. What world does he mean unspotted by the planet? Well, that's the same word Jesus used when he says, my kingdom is not a part of this world. So how do you take care of the widows and orphans and being unspotted by the world? What world is that? Well, the word there in the Greek specifically means state. Why? Because the state of people at that time forced the contributions of the people to take care of the widows and orphans. It did not operate by faith, hope, and charity. And until John the Baptist... Everybody in the world tried to take care of the needy of their society by men who called themselves benefactors but exercised authority. But Christ started a government that operated differently. And that government was to aid in the salvation of the people, to save the people. Because Christ was a Savior. Well, there was another man about that time that was also called a Savior. And his name was Augustus Caesar. He was called the Savior of Rome. His name really wasn't Augustus. That's what they called him. His name was Octavius. Except for, it wasn't really Octavius Caesar either. He got that name from Caesar. But there had been a civil war and it, it, it changed the nature of the Republic. Just like the Civil War in the United States changed the nature of the Republic. And it had been changing for a while before, and it's been changing a great deal since. And that's exactly what happened with Rome. When the Emperor of Rome ran for office, he ran for three offices, executive, chief executive of Rome, imperator, commander-in-chief of the army, um, and apotheos originator of God, appointer of judges throughout the empire, the federal judges, the imperial judges. The parallels, you can read it in Rome versus us, are amazing between what that office was. He had to take an oath of office, he had a term limit. 
or at least a limit to the term, 10, ten year term for Imperator, four years in the United States. And he had to be elected again and take the oath again. But that changed fairly rapidly with the different emperors. But when Christ came, he was the savior for another group of people called Judea. This is the king of the citizens of Judea. And, that, and, and at that time, because of the one world government nature of Rome, if you were a citizen of Christ, you weren't under the authority of other governments. I mean, you couldn't murder, you couldn't, you know, steal, and you couldn't do all the basic crime. But the persona jurisdiction of Christ was dependent upon the logos of Christ. In a book that I have coming out, some of that's already available to the people on the Living Network called The Higher Liberty, we tell about what that word meant in law, logos, in law at the time of Christ and shortly after. You'll be surprised. If you had a Logos, you had church ID. They couldn't arrest you for persona uh, violation uh, that they could impose upon most of the citizens because you were under the jurisdiction of the church and the church was commanded not to exercise authority one over the other. But can you operate a government on a national and international basis based on faith, hope, and charity? Where are you going to get that kind of people that could be saved by such a system? You see, when they talk about being saved, they talk about two kinds of salvation, both in this world and the next, both in spirit and in truth. Christ didn't just come to set you free spiritually and leave you in the bondage of Egypt. And a church that would lead you back to the bondage of Egypt must be a false church, a church in apostasy. But I'll let you figure out what that means. But Christ came because God so loved that world, even that Roman state, that Roman New World Order, that he gave his only begotten son that they might be saved in spirit and truth. It was prophesied that the Messiah would come to return every man to his family and every man to his possession because at that time in Rome, your family did not belong to the father of your household. It belonged to the father of the state. If you go look at the U.S. codes, you'll find out that that's true again. Another article, another pamphlet, called No Man Father upon the earth. No man father upon the earth but my father in heaven. What's he talking about? Well, we explain it there. Who's your daddy? Who's taking care of you? Whose coverture are you under? Do you belong to your family or do you belong to a bigger family? Do you belong to the family of Christ that returns every man to his natural family or do you belong to the family of the world where your fathers as heads of the family are cut off? That's already a done deal, folks. Don't wait for it. It's already a done deal. The institution of Christ, the institution of God, was the family. Two people becoming one. No more twain, but one. That's very important to understand. So how does the church serve that purpose? Well, the church, for instance, when they marry a husband and wife, they marry, they don't, actually, they don't marry them. They marry each other. That's in canon law way back in most churches everywhere. That most churches do not marry the people by the authority of God. They marry people by the authority of the state. And the state defines marriage as a three-party contract between you, your spouse, and the state. Where the state has and extraneous control over that relationship and the products of that relationship. Holy matrimony versus marriage. First chapter of the Covenant of the God. The last chapter of the Covenant of the God, all available for free online, just ask your contact minister where, is about the freedom of the church 
the church must be freed to maintain an entrance to the kingdom of heaven. And Christ set out a way to accomplish that and defines it in the biblical text right before your very eyes through a sleight of hands and sophistry of the world. They have covered up the secret, the mystery of the kingdom. They have covered it up for so long that most of those who are in charge of covering it up don't even know where it is. They just go through their mindless rituals that you're saved if you belong to our church and you say these magic words and you only use these magic words and you say this and really believe and believe and believe and believe that it's true, that automatically you're saved. Many of the people who believe that, they don't believe that you can be saved by works. Well, what does that mean, saved by works? That means you do something and God owes you salvation. You do something and God has to save you. Well, of course, that's ridiculous. Who's God? God or you? Can you make God do anything? Well, you can't do it by works. That doesn't mean you shouldn't work. Because if you really love God, you will. If you really love Christ, you will keep the commandments. That's what he says. I didn't make that up. He said that. But if you say you believe and really believe it in your heart, you squinched eyes and bowed head. Does God owe you salvation? Did you earn salvation by really believing, believing, believing? No, believing is more. You can fool yourself, and many will, that you are saved thinking you believe in you know him. You may be one of those workers of iniquity. He says, get ye from me. They thought they were saved. They thought they were eating and drinking with Christ and doing things, great things in his name. He says, get ye from me. I know you're not. So you can be fooled with this idea that all you have to do is believe. So, but if you do believe, if you really do believe, not just think you believe, but really do believe, your life will take on a certain pattern and certain fruits will flow. And by their fruits, you will know them. Now, what's the fruits of the church today? The whole world is in the bondage of Egypt. The whole world is in the bondage of Egypt. There are a few people that may not be. But generally speaking, the whole world is in the bondage of Egypt. On the precipice of disaster and the plagues of Egypt, and the people will be unready. They're not prepared. They don't know how to network under the perfect law of liberty and do the will of God. They don't know how to do that. They're unpracticed in Christ. They don't know how to love one another. Oh, sure, they can love one another when everything's going good, but if you leave them on their own, before you know it, they're blaming each other for all the wrongs and problems that they themselves create. They're even blaming God. God destroys and I will build it back. God doesn't destroy. God allows destruction and the destruction will come. Somebody made a comment just this morning and I can't figure out what it was. It was the same guy wanted me to talk about these three things. One is how, what must you do to be saved? Well, you have to really believe in the real Christ. It's kind of truth or consequences. Will the real Christ please stand up? What does he look like? What was he really doing? What was he really talking about when he said, call a man on earth father? I mean, almost nobody knows that one. And we write about it, but almost no one knows that. But what I'm doing here is I'm sing I'm singing the song of the land. I'm the song of the land. So let's sing more bars when we return the keys of the kingdom. Years ahead of the dominant media, FirstAmendmentRadio.com and FirstAmendmentRadio.net, around the world and on satellite. Since the beginning of time, 
Kings have sought it. Nations have fought for it. It has been traded. It has been borrowed. It has been purchased. It has been stolen. There's a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and to our posterity. Invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188 or visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom and regular guest, world-renowned economist Robert Chapman, right here on FirstAmendmentRadio.com at 4 p.m. Eastern or 1 p.m. Pacific Time. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. Toll free, 1-800-375-4188. If you read the history books, the most often asked question to Southerners was this, why did you fight? And the most often given answer is, because you're here. In other words, the South did not invade the North, the North invaded the South. Was it the Civil War or... War of Federal Aggression. John Weaver sets the record straight in this DVD series on the Civil War from the Old Past Christian History Conference. Was there a war to set the slaves free, or was it a war to enslave us all? Get this DVD and judge for yourself. War of Federal Aggression. Get this DVD presentation for a donation of $25 from FirstAmendmentRadio.com. Order online at FirstAmendmentRadio.com. Call 559-781-3773. The truth seems strange only because we've been indoctrinated with a fiction. War of Federal Aggression. Get it today. Have you seen Loose Change? the most popular documentary in the 911 Truth Movement. With the coming change in government, now is the time to push for justice and get this truth into the hands of millions of Americans. First Amendment Radio is offering both videos, Loose Change and 911 Justice on DVD. We will ship two copies of both videos to you for 10 bucks cash. Yes, two copies, one for you and one for you to give away. You will see and hear Larry Silverstein admit that they decided to pull the building. Why are they not? People must know. Justice must be had. The time is now. Two copies of both videos, Loose Change and 911 Justice, for 10 bucks cash. No checks, please. To First Amendment Radio, 139 East to Larry Avenue, to Larry, California, 93274. Back to Keys of the Kingdom. So what, you, what must you do to be saved? Believe in Jesus. Believe in the Christ. Believe in Yeshua. The Son of the Father. But you got to believe in the real one. Not the Hollywood one. Not the Catechism one. Jesus wasn't Lutheran, Methodist, Presbyterian, Catholic... Jesus was the Son of the Father. Are you the Son of the Father? Are we all children of God? Well, there were two children that Jesus talked about, said, you know, go do this. And the first one said, no, I'm not going to do it. And he left. And the other one said, I'll do it. And he went out. And then he changed his mind. He said, I don't want to do it. I, gotta, I wanted to go on and do this instead. I wanted to vote Democrat or Republican. I wanted to covet my neighbor's goods through the agency of government. I wanted to create a social welfare system where I would be saved by men who call themselves benefactors by the exercise of authority. But the other one said, you know, I really should have done what my father asked. He repented. He went back and he learned to live by faith, open charity. He changed the way he was living. He started living in another way, like a prodigal son. He had, to, he had to stop what he was doing, turn around, and go another way. That's called repentance. Everybody's asked today, but not everybody is asked to repent. Oh, they say repent, but repent from what? Christ in you is the only way to live in a free government. 
only way to live in a free government is Christ in you. And if Christ won't go in you, his spirit won't live in you unless you're compatible with his character. How can you live a life not compatible with his character and expect to be taken into heaven when you're dead? You're already dead. You're the walking dead. If your character is not coming close to Christ, and if it's coming close to Christ, you will automatically obey his commandments. You will not judge your brother without confronting them and talking with them. You will must not do it. It's just, you, not, you couldn't even imagine doing it. Because it wouldn't be in you. Raka, fool, who does not go to his brother when he has a complaint against his brother and say, this is my complaint. I have complaints about some, and I, I try to stay focused on the complaint. And I say, yeah, here's, here's a problem. You're not making your yes, yes. And they go do something else. And they come back, and I say, wait, you're still not making your yes, yes. And they go do something else, and then they come back. they got to make their yes, yes. If they don't, you know, I could probably pull out something here and pull out something there and find some other thing and try to prove my point. But the fact is, is keep it to the basics. Because the kingdom is very basic. The ways of the kingdom are very basic. you got to love your neighbor. you got to care about him. But if you want to be free, you must set your neighbor free from your will. You would not do anything to force your neighbor to do something you thought they ought to do. You couldn't do it. You simply couldn't do it. Christ was showing us a way to come together in a government of God called the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven, as you see in Matthew. You only see that Matthew kingdom of has to do with sophistry and a translation of words from Hebrew to Greek, or actually Aramaic to Greek. So this is what you had to do to be saved. You had to actually believe in Christ, repent of not believing in Christ and the ways of Christ, and you had to strive to follow Christ. Christ said strive. I said, uh, you know, what must you do to be saved? Are the many saved or the few? Christ talks about striving. And he talks about those who don't strive. But say they believe. And how they are to get you from me, because I know you're not. So you have to be very careful. Yes, you have to believe in Christ, but what does that mean? And that's what we tell people, and that's why we're unpopular with a lot of folks. But Christianity wasn't popular with everybody. It's not going to be popular with everybody now. Following Christ is Christianity. Following the Messiah is Christianity, or what Christianity should be. Of course, people have redefined it, and that's why Christians aren't real popular everywhere. Of course, they would. It's, it's fine to be unpopular, but why are you unpopular? So another question is, what did this cross thing do? Well, you know, that's a complicated question. You can get a lot of, a lot of problems. Well, you know, the cross, the, the law was nailed to the cross. So what does that mean? Well, what was nailed to the cross? Well, Christ was nailed to the cross. There was a sign nailed to the cross, and the sign said that Christ was getting from Pontius Pilate, the procreator of Rome, procurator of Rome. You see, Tiberius was sick. He didn't want to do all the duties of the emperor. So he had his, the husband to his favorite granddaughter, a guy by the name of Pontius Pilate, become the curator of Rome. And while he was in that position, he signed a document and nailed it to a cross where an innocent man was crucified, contrary to his wishes. And he stuck it to the Pharisees by nailing that up there, and that ticked them off. Because it meant anybody who got the baptism of Christ 
was free of the Pharisees and their Corban. That moment, like Pharaoh of Egypt, set everybody who believed in Christ free from the Corban of the Pharisees. There was through the blood of that innocent man who convicted Pontius Pilate to do that and had put and a God who had put Pontius Pilate in a place where he would be convicted to do that set everyone who accepted Christ as Christ the Messiah that's what Christ means Messiah anointed king and the guy in the group trying to say, well, you know, my folks got me a social security number. Well, that's irrevocable. You can't just take it away. If you're of age, you know, if you're still real small and your parents go, they can actually rescind that document that somebody has accidentally created. They won't use the number again, but uh, they won't attach it to that child. But that has to be done real quick. You're grown already. That ain't going to happen. So you got to follow the plan of Christ. You have to repent. You have to turn around. You have to start seeking the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God operates like any other government. It has records. It uh, keeps track of its people. It has its members. But its membership is different. The way the kingdom of God are different. The path of the kingdom of God is different. It operates by the perfect law of liberty and faith, hope, and charity. You still got taxes in the kingdom of God. But you tax yourself. So we get to call it charity. Both governments have a contribution, obligation. One imposed by men, time to contribute. And the other one is imposed by God in your heart. I ought to contribute. I ought to share. How do you do this? I mean, the purpose isn't to buy a fancy car for your pastor purpose isn't to uh, buy big crystal cathedrals or monuments of men made out of stone, dead stone. The purpose is to create a living temple of white stone, of men of service, not men who seek power. If you create an office uh, of power to operate your government, you have already corrupted your government. You have to create offices of service. But you still have to have a government. It has to have a structure, a network. It has to have bones. Dry bones maybe at first, but eventually flesh will come there. And God will breathe life into it if it conforms to the character of Christ. You need to seek men of service. Men who are willing to sacrifice their time. I was up till 5.30 this morning. I, I exaggerate. It's 5.22. And I had to get to bed and then make sure my wife was up by six. And uh, I got got an extra hour in there besides that. <laughs> but uh, you need men who want to serve others and are willing to work diligently and let you decide. That's why all of our books are available for free. I can't send you paper hard copies. I've given away thousands of dollars worth of them, but uh, I just don't have the resources. But you can download them yourself and print them out yourself or just read them online. Now, we've taken a new policy to that. Some of the new books, you got to join the network if you want them. Because it's not given to everybody to understand the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. We'll, we'll talk about it. We'll allude to it. But uh, more and more, as we get time and people don't steal away the time of our service, with foolishness, we will continue to share more and more stanzas of the Song of Moses and the Song of the Lamb so that you can harmonize with us and we can harmonize with you under the perfect law of liberty by faith, hope, and charity. Through a network of, a living network of men and women and living stones that bind each other together bind each other together 
by faith, hope, and charity. That's the kingdom of God. Anything else, I'd get away from it. So how does that work? So the cross established the government of God and sealed it in the blood of an innocent man and anyone who tries to interfere with that government of God. It's a bad thing to do. Very dangerous. You get a one-world government with one man sitting there as the father of the world. And by gosh, if they challenge the few that are still following Christ, their head is at stake because there's an innocent man who has sealed the kingdom in his own blood. And of course, some of us may be called upon to do the same thing. The apostles were, some of them. So expect that. But not the kind of servants you need is ones who expect that and are willing to go ahead anyway. They're not going to be made angry by men. They're not going to be made selfish by men. They're not going to put their neighbor in jeopardy no matter how much it profits them or how much they lose. They're going to stick to their gun and be the church of record established by Christ. That's what Christ did. He established a government. And that government was sometimes called the church. He used the Greek word ecclesia that's translated in church. It's a bad translation. And, of course, the problem also is, is that most churches are defined by who they are. And who they are doesn't look anything like the original church. They're full of pomp and ceremony and have the form of godliness but deny the power thereof. We need to turn around and do something different than those guys and do something similar or the same as what the early church was doing. They had ID, they had logos, they had records. I mean, the epistles, what are those? Those are letters of credence. Hey, this is Timothy, this is, this, this is. And that worked. Just almost immediately when there was a disaster, they were able to mass huge amount of funds and send supplies to many borders uh, unmolested because they were the church to help out the needy. They were a faith emergency management auxiliary and they knew who to take the aid to because they had congregations of record. They had a network, a record. We knew our contacts here, da 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 da. You know, we got a lot of people saying they're ambassadors of the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so where are your citizens? Where are all the other people that you're supposed to be helping out in time of need? In time of need, and I call for, oh, we need a collection because there was a fire in Colorado. Can you put me in touch with all those who are seeking the kingdom in Colorado? Can you do that? If you can't, you're a pretty crummy ambassador. Ambassador's not out about proclaiming himself. He's about out there serving the sheep. I'm a shepherd of God. I haven't got a clue where the flock is. I haven't seen them in a long time, but I'm a shepherd of Christ. I think you're doing something wrong if that's the case. You need to turn around and start doing it right. Start finding those sheep and serving those sheep and being that shepherd of Christ. People have to set aside their ego and their pride. Their vanity. There are no pedestals. There's only one on the pedestal is Christ. And he got down. You have to start just doing it. Serving one another. And the people are ministers of Christ as much as those special little flock people that are set out on a mission to maintain an entrance to the kingdom. See, they're shutting the door. There is no Corbin but theirs. you got to have their health care. But there needs to be the health care of Christ. Based on that faith, open charity. And the blood of Christ has made that possible. In this world and the next, everything in the physical world is a reflection of the spiritual reality. It isn't the other way around. You, you don't change the physical reality and the spirit follow it. 
So if you're saved in spirit, you're going to be doing certain things in reality, and your reality will conform to that spirit. And the lame will walk, and the blind will see, and the dead will rise again. But if you are not in conformity with Christ, then you're on your own, baby. And no matter what you pray, the Father will not hear you. So what is this baptism? That was the baptism of Jesus Christ. If you got it, you were cast out. No more benefits for you, buddy. You're out there. That's bad news. That's good news. Good news for those who want to be in the kingdom of God, living by the perfect law of liberty, by faith, hope, and charity. That's good news. You're free. You can't get no benefits, but they ain't got no authority. Most of the power of government is based on that persona jurisdiction based upon your applications and prayers for the welfare that they offer. That is why what should have been for your welfare has become a snare. That's why you should not sit and eat with rulers, men who exercise authority one over the other. Because they, just, they serve you deceitful meat. That's why you should not consent with them who say, let us have one purse. Let us look privately for the blood of our neighbor to a system of socialism. Read Psalms 23, but before you do, read Proverbs 1 23. You need to be immersed in the character of Christ so that the character of Christ is immersed in you. It needs to pickle your heart according to his nature. You must invest and infest your mind with that character of Christ. All forgiving, all patient, not subject to fits of depression, not subject to fits of anger, subject to fits of love and forgiveness. Even though they spite you, attack you, take from you, you still say, hey, stay the course, keep the faith, follow the ways of Christ. So what does the church look like? What is this gospel of the kingdom? How does it work? It depends on faith, but it's faith in action. It's a faith that leads you towards freedom under God, where you are taxed heavily by your heart and no one else's heart where you are compelled and bound to your neighbor in chains of love for your neighbor, even if he hates you, love for your enemy. Can you do that? Because if you can, you could be free. If you can't do that, you're going to be a slave. I don't care how good your paperwork is or your doctrine or your... Belief is you cannot be free unless you have the character of Christ in you, and that character of Christ in you depends on your submission to Christ. You cannot force Christ to save you by your works or by your words or by your claim of belief. If you love him, you will keep his commandments. You will stop coveting your neighbor's goods and the agencies of institutions and corporations that you create for yourself. Through the contracts and covenants you make with it every day. You have brought yourself back into the bondage of Egypt, into the realm of Babylon. And you need to repent and turn around Start going the other way. Start gathering together with the intention of not what other people can do for you, but what you can do for them. Ask not what your kingdom can do for you. Ask rather what can you do for his kingdom, his church, his congregation, the people. You serve God by serving others. 
And when you don't want to serve others, when you want to control others, when you want to, want to manipulate others and force others through clever schemes, now how, how that plays out is infinite in your everyday life. How can you set people free from the tyranny in your own heart? Starve the beast in yourself first. Because there is a beast in you. That's how the beast works. He, does, he can't go out and control everybody. He needs everybody who wants to control his neighbor to be in allegiance to him. He needs the beast nature in you to grow. He needs you to covet more and more, want more and more benefits, more and more security, more and more assurance and insurance by men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other. You have been baptized in filthy water. Repent. Start getting clean in the love of Christ. So the gospel of the kingdom is the gospel of how, the good news of how to be free souls under God or property of the state, the difference between the two. Because right now most people are human resources in the property of the state and they just took inventory or in the process of doing that. Yeah, and they always do that. Got to count their sheep. But whose sheep are you? Maybe you shouldn't be counted. Maybe you're the sheep of Christ. Maybe you're the dry bones of the body of Christ that needs to come together and bring flesh and have the Spirit of Christ breathed into you. Because we need to do that, and we need to do that quickly. And those of you who do not want to do that, want to do something else, want to be the lone sheep out there, get together with your little flock of your own and go do your own thing. You need to be the flock of Christ, and the flock of Christ is entering into the kingdom. So we need to do that. And we need to do that in earnest. So a week or so ago, I went through the guidelines, and I went through the policy last week. Uh, we have recordings of that eventually that we will make available, but there's you can get them on the radio station now. And we're trying to show you how that kingdom works. Secrets of that kingdom. And we're going to meet with a talk show right after the show. For those of you who are on the network and have received the, the call-in number, until then, may peace be upon your heart. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.